Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the World Famous Par 3 Podcast. We are live on location at the gorgeous Pebble Beach, California. I got my man, J.R. Smith, and the absolute fucking legend, Michael Block. Welcome to the podcast, bro. Thanks, JR. Uh, I think we're long lost friends that uh, we've now met. <laughs> yeah. I've known this man for quite a long time. Great person and uh, just happy to be here with you. Pleasure, man. Pleasure. We had a great time with Jack a couple weeks ago in Cabo, which was unbelievable. First time, both of us, I, I think, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you put the combination of Jack Nicholas, Cabo San Lucas, JR Smith, and Blocky. I mean, how does it go wrong? And then we threw in a little bit of Tiger Woods as well. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't get better than Diamante. It's Casa Azul, you know, just a sprinkle. <laughs> it was a good day. It, it was, was a good great day. day. It was so a great I day. saw your wife and Ethan in the airport afterwards, and I said, how did Michael play? They said he played well, but he wasn't making any putts. I said, well, maybe Jack took all the shit out of it when he, when he, when he made that putt that <laughs> night. Yeah, for real. I was like, <laughs> I'm like, Jack made like a 30-footer with my putter, and I was like, oh, it's got all the magic sauce on it now. I'm like, I'm going to make everything. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't made anything since. He so, drained uh, it. He drained it. <laughs> it's all good. And if Jack drains out all the juice out of that putter, it's fine with me. I might just need to find a new one. I hear that. Are you are, are you like one of those guys like if they if a guy like Jack makes a putt with your putter, you're never getting rid of that thing. Cause I am. If MJ signed or touched a pair of my shoes or a basketball or whatever, I'm not getting rid of that. Yeah, no, no. That putter is not going anywhere. Yeah. I mean, and the fact it's on video and the fact that he was like Give me that putter, and I'm like, cool. And he 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 drained it. That putter wasn't going anywhere to begin with, but now Jack Nicholas draining that putt. No, that's it's it's not going anywhere. It'll, it'll be uh, sitting in the uh, the Blocky Museum down in the road. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. So being here at, at Pebble, and obviously we're doing this for a foundation and doing this for the kids. And what does that mean to you for to continuously be able to grow the game of golf? Hey, you know what? So obviously everyone here today is here for a reason. We're all here for the juniors. Um, we're all here to grow the game, and we're here, if we just allow and help one person, one, get into the sport and uh, love it as much as we do, because I know for a fact that the three of us love golf so much. It's so much part of our life, right? We appreciate it, we love it, and for someone else to appreciate it how we do is gonna be a huge part, you know? Uh, when we're done, retired, and just sitting back and watching our grandkids, it's a, it's a huge thing, and Youth On Course is a, you know, such a great organization that's allowing a lot of kids that couldn't play golf get into the game, and that's what it takes, right? You've got all these kids and these people, and I think that's why the sport's grown so much, is that because there's been this availability into playing golf now, you've got all these athletes that never would have played golf before that are now playing. And they hit it now 340 in the air, and they're dominating the game, which is great. And it's only going to grow from here. So I'm, I'm sitting at the tap room eating dinner um, about a year ago, exactly like a year ago, with Michelle Wee and Chad Veach. And, and we're eating dinner there. And um, this dude, Michael, who's around here, he works for Youth On Course. He came up and he said, yo, da-da-da, Marvin, ba-ba-ba. So I said, oh, you, he said, I'm Youth On Course. So I said, oh, shit, I'd love to help something or another. So we went and played the preserve the next day stirred up this idea of doing a bracketed um, art contest. So we let all of their members draw our logo buckets, draw it each way, each way they wanted, whatever. And then we put all of them up on social and you know, you would have one guy's art and the next guy's art and you could click A or B and choose who you wanted to have. And so it got all the way down and the kid who won, we did a collection with and did a hat and a shirt and a hoodie and all that money goes to it as well. But like, 
I think collectively between that and this, it's raised over like 150 grand. So it's $5, $5 rounds. So just think how many kids with 150 grand, like how many rounds is that? How many kids, like you're saying, if we can just get one. So, and, and, and I think it's also like them being able to know that you two and people like you guys are out here and like doing all of this shit for them. It makes them even have a more, it's like JR's pumping it. Like I gotta go play. You know, like that thought of that, of like everybody looks up to somebody, you know, and there's kids that look up to JR all over from basketball, from every other thing. And then it's like, well, now they're looking at him from the golf side and being like, well, JR golfs, I should. It's just amazing. Yeah, no. The uh, where golf has gone, what I've seen in the last couple of years, right, is the growth of it is ridiculous. And the people that have come into it um, is very special, right? And one of the coolest things I've always loved is, and I kind of knew this was going to happen, right? Because even back in the day, Jordan, right? Best athlete ever. He plays golf, right? And so everyone starts to understand how cool the sport is, right? Back in the day when I was in high school, it wasn't a cool sport. Um, but I'm like, I love it. I'm playing it. And I saw that all these people are playing it, right? So you got Mahomes and Kelsey and everyone gets out there and plays golf when it's their off season or they're retired, whatever it might be, and they fall in love with the sport that we're all in love with. How can't you? I mean, you're, you're hanging out with your, your buddies. You're hanging out with your wife. You can go play golf with your wife. You can go hang out with your four friends and smoke cigars and have some cocktails, have some fun. Or you can go play with your family and be around your kids more than you would have ever been in any other sport. So this sport brings the families, the friends, everything together, which I think is so cool. It's really dope because, like, for me, it's, it's I don't have any boys. I got all girls, and my girls play with me, you know, when they when they when they can. But at the same time, it's still not, not like their thing. But you got Remy out here, and just he just what four or five birdies in a row, yeah. no big deal. That's cool. Smooth. Like, how does that feel? Like just Remy's being amazing. able to play with your he's, kid. So even the, like Remy, so he's very confident, you know. And and I take him to some. I took him to like Medalist or something, and he's like talking shit on the range to the old dudes at Medalist. And the guy said, uh, <laughs> he's very confident, young man. Where did he get know? that from? I said, well, if he does, if you don't have confidence, what do you have? So that's just what I said to the guy. And then Remy hits me the next day. He said, Dad, I thought about it. If you don't have confidence, one day you'll have nothing at all. Mm. And this is like a nine-year-old's thought process, meaning if you're not confident, you're going to lose your job, your wife, your golf swing. You're going to lose, gonna lose it you're all. You're going to lose your, 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 the seat at your, at your house. So, yeah, Remy's amazing. But as a, like, as a dad, you know, Michael has two kids he trains, two boys he trains, so we just went up and played the preserve with both of the boys, and it's amazing to see how different, we, he coaches both of them, right? And one of them is obviously older and a little bit, hits it longer, maybe doesn't listen quite as much. The younger one is a little more conservative, but probably scored better that day. Dylan is, is is taking every corner and, you know, I'm going to hit it over that tree. He's like, I don't think you should do that. He's like, watch. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. Watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that vibe. And Ethan's yeah. like, okay, so just hit a little cut <laughs> down the middle. That. No true problem. That. So is true. that right? So true. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's so much fun to have two different animals, right, which I've got in my house. And, um, <laughs> you know, you got you to gotta, you gotta talk to one, you know, a certain way and the other one the other way. And that's one of the most important things, I think, not only in raising kids, but training golfers is how do you talk to them, right? How do you treat them? What do you say to them? Because it inspires them in different ways and how you say it. And the last thing you want to do is uninspire them or make it feel like school or homework. Right. Like I always said that. I'm like, I'm not going to make golf feel like homework to my kids. And I think that's why I'm lucky enough and you're lucky enough 
to have a couple kids that love the sport as much as we do. Yeah. Spending time with your kids, spending time with your family on the course, it's like, for me, I mean, there's no greater feeling other than, you know, taking a couple bucks from your buddy. But that's always good. Sure, that. But, like, talk about the, just the grind that these kids go through. Like, nowadays, it's like, for me, when I was growing up, I was playing football, basketball, baseball, so many different sports. And now I feel like the kids are more generated into this one particular area. And which is nothing wrong with that, but, like, how do you feel about the, the, the generation is changing on growing up and, and raising kids around one sport, two sports, three sports, and just letting them pick what they want to do? Yours are playing multiple? They did. And I, I literally forced Dylan to play multiple sports because he's very much an athlete. And I'm like, dude, you could be a quarterback, you could be the wide receiver, you could be a point guard, you could do all these things. And he's like, Dad, I don't play golf. I'm like, I know, but still, go play baseball. And he's like, oh, okay, fine. He did. And he's like, okay, can I play golf now? I'm like, okay, that's how he was. But then Ethan, on the other hand, he played soccer, right? And until the age of 13, finally he was like, Dad, I just want to play golf. I'm like, Music to my ears. Hallelujah. Music to my ears, you know? <laughs> and so I've been very lucky now, and, and the fact is, like, my boys both work at the club. They work outside of service. They open up on the weekends, um, which is really cool. They're learning the business as well because I want them to have, you know, something on the backside. And if one of them at some point wants my key of the club and run a club someday, I'm more than happy to give it to them and, and retire and be a very happy man watching that. That's dope. That's another thing about golf to me. It's like you can work and you learn so much in so many different areas of the game. It's not just playing the game. It's, it could be caddying. It could be working the front desk. You learn communication skills and you learn how to talk to people and you learn how to be presentable. So many different areas. And for me, like basketball, it's like, it's either I'm going to be the, the guy making the shots or the guy pushing the broom. It's mm. either one or the two. <laughs> no in between. There's no, There's no in between. There's no, I'm not going to go work the concessions because that's not the, that's a yeah. totally different yeah. realm of the game. Yeah. I mean, like you guys, I mean, now that you look back at it, right, I mean, it's like, for me, I just knew back that I was going to go to a golf course. And it really didn't matter what I was going to do, whether a teacher, a head pro, the general manager, whatever it was, I was going to go. And I'm going to a golf course and be in my golf attire and and the serenity of like you at the preserve, what you see up there every day, and I see your posts of like, you know, the wild boar and, the, and everything that you see up there is just amazing. And uh, it just brings such serenity and such a good vibe and a culture. And, and as you can tell with us, you know, it's like we're in such a good place, right? And golf, I think, is really a, a very important factor that's put us in this good place. Nice. Totally, we started the Malden Golf. I did an invest in golf and it was like, one, I need people to buy shit, so invest so we can make it a business. Two, I was looking for investors, but the real reason is just because, like, you know, I started working at a golf course when I was 12. My dad got me a job. I played tennis before that, and then I went and played golf. I mean, I, I, I washed the golf carts, you know, I was the cart barn yeah, kid, yeah. and I picked the range and this, that, and the other. And, like, you know, it's amazing at how if you take, like, two brothers and one goes at 12 or 13 and works at, like, you know, the, the fast food joint, the other one goes and works at your country club. Like, you know, you learn, like I learned how to play golf. My dad didn't say, I want you to learn how to play golf. He put me in a golf course. I'm with all these other older kids cleaning golf carts. And they're like, hey, you want to play tomorrow? And like, shit, I better go practice. I'm going to have right. to figure this That's out right. because these dudes are older than me and they're good. And then there were members that I liked and the members would take certain kids out and play. So it's like, I was forced to get better at golf because I wanted to be accepted by the older kids at the country club, you know? And this was when I was 12 years old. So, so just this, what we're doing and helping all these kids, it's like, if you, if you learn how to hit a seven iron, 
then it's like you may end up going to college to play golf. You may end up playing in a, on tour. You may end up becoming a caddy. You may end up being a head pro, an assistant pro, working. But once you get hooked on the golf, it's like it's never going to stop. So if you get a kid at 10, 12 years old to learn how to hit, yeah. you know, it's like Remington, his swing is insane at, at, at 11. It's just like, dude, just chip and putt a lot. Like, that's the only advice I can really give them. Like, don't change your swing, grow into your body, and just chip and putt a lot because that's really the only difference of, you know, whether you're really good or not. And the kids are little and, and they're so confident. Like, Remington, when he was like, you know, seven years old, I'd be like, dude, Justin Thomas is better than you because he hits it far. But from 40 yards in, I don't understand how you would accept that he's better than you. Mm -hmm. Number one, you're lower. You can read putts better. You don't have to bend all down like we do. You know, like, you should be better from 40 yards in than every dude on tour. You got a better view, huh? I am. I am. You know, and eventually he started to believe that he was, and, you know, he just had a little four birdie and a little four birdie run back here at the hay. A little run. He They're beat me home. here the first time he ever beat me. He beat me here. He was two under after four. I was two over after four. I just couldn't catch him. Just couldn't catch him. He just keeps hitting full wedges right into the middle of the and, green. And that's a beautiful thing. And I'm hitting thing. little nippers that are spinning off the green and shit and uh, no catching him. Nothing better than getting beat by your kid, though. I'll tell you that. Your I, kids I enjoy beat you? it. Oh, my gosh. They've both beaten me a lot. Dylan's beaten me more often than I beat him. Really? He hits it 80 yards by me. I mean, it's not even close. Um, yeah, no, and I love it. I absolutely love it. I was going to say, I you got it. a great teacher. I hate it, but I love it, you know, and that's how it works. And, and Dylan just did the long drive, and I heard he hit it 415. Yeah, 417, the World Long Drive Championship. <laughs> he finished 60th in the world at age 18 in the World Long Drive Championship. 417 And it yards. wasn't even his driver. It wasn't even his driver. They just let him borrow a driver, a long drive, 48-inch driver. He went out there, and he went right against Berkshire. And Berkshire hit it, and so in their little quadrant of four guys, Berkshire hit it, who won, longest guy in the world, hit a 414, Dylan at 404 against him, mano a mano, which was sick. And then he hit 417 in the next round, which was really cool. Yeah, Dylan, if he actually wanted to do that, he's gonna be, he'd be the longest guy in the world within a couple years, but that's not really his, his path in life. And I think it's more of like, that's kind of fun because he, he palms in, he'll go out and do it maybe for fun, but he wants to be a golfer. He, he, he's got hands and stuff like that. So once he can combine that length with some consistency and knowing how to score, then he could be pretty dirty. Well, we did our, we, we, we launched golf balls and when I had the prototypes, we went to dinner at Korean barbecue with, with uh, Michael and Dylan and, and Ethan and, uh, I gave him the prototype balls. I gave them to Dylan and I said, he said, I'll test them for you, you know? So he went at their course and he, he was hitting like, he said he was gonna hit 50 yard bunker shots so you could really get the best spin, you know? And he's like, <laughs> so that's the shot he chooses, 50 yard <laughs> bunker shots. So that's when you really can see the best spin out of a 50 yard bunker. Yeah. I'm like, you're a sicko. Yeah, none of us do that, right? We don't want to hit a 50 yard bunker shot. I don't want to hit a 50 yard bunker shot. I'm either gonna chunk it or thin it. And he's, <laughs> hitting, sure. he's hitting the like, He's like, sends me one video. It's like, here's the Titleist. And he fucking flies it right by the hole, hits, bounces. And then he sends mine. One, he hits the same spot, bounces, zip. He's like, it's a good ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah, it was cool. He tested him out. He legitimately did. With a 50-yard bunker shot is his testing. Yeah, that's right. It's been a long day. Time for a long drink. The finished drink. Proud sponsor of the Par 3 podcast, Long Drink. Get yours at longdrink.com. Cheers. So for me, like growing up, like I, I had a little brother, I had an older brother, and I'm kind of like 
I got two younger brothers and I got an older brother. And I was able to start beating my older brother in basketball, like 13, 14. And kind of knew I was different at, at a certain age just because my body started catching up with my abilities and stuff like that. But I was never like, still to this day, I think my, my little brother never beat me one-on-one. -on -one. My youngest brother beat me once in horse. And I'm still <laughs> pissed about that? it. No, 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 I'm still pissed about it. It's like, I'm furious. <laughs> like, do you see that competition in your kids? Like, do they, like, really, like, go at it? They, yeah, but, like, Dylan loves to gamble, and Ethan hates to gamble. Uh, you know, Dylan's got my side of that, and then Ethan's got my wife's side of, like, no, 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 we're, we're cool, let's just have fun, you know, whatever else. And so they're very different in that way, but they're very competitive at the same time, where, like, yeah, they want to beat each other, and... Dylan's got the upper hand, but he's also two years older. Um, and Ethan, he's a little he's a little gamer, but you know, he's he's getting after it and he's working really hard at it. We'll see what happens. You know, you got the guy that's just gonna be straight and like to score, and then you got Dylan. When he's on, it's gonna be hard to hard be hard to beat Dylan. So for anyone. Yeah, for a lot of people, yeah. It'll be it'll be cool. But it's they be, play for the same tees? Yeah, and yeah, same tees. Oh yeah, we've been on the we've been on the tips since we've been very, very young. Oh yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. But they had to shoot. I had a rule. You had to shoot in the 60s, and then you had to start at the goals all the way up, right? Senior tees. And you had to shoot in the 60s three times from there to move back to the ladies, reds, or whatever it might be. And then after that, you had to shoot in the 60s three times. I don't care if you were eight years old or 20 years old, you had to shoot in the 60s three times. So you learn how to score. And I find that to be a very important factor. Learn how to shoot in the 60s. Do not be afraid to shoot in the 60s. Make that your goal. Don't just, because a lot of people just go, hey, I'm a, oh man, I'm, I'm, eight, I'm 18, I'm 16 or whatever, and I'm gonna go play with the tips. And they learn how to shoot 82. Right. And they're 82, 82, 81, 78, and that's not gonna do it. That's not college golf, that's not professional golf. So I really learned early to get them very comfortable in the 60s. And so now when they're in the tips, they're not afraid to shoot in the 60s. When could they shoot in the 60s? How old? 13, both of them. 13. Yeah. From tips? Yeah, from oh the tips. My from the tips. They worked their way back. And they were that was a big goal, right? 360s, move back. 360s, move back. Yeah, it was great. And from the forward tees, same age, it's 13? Yeah. Shoot six oh, and you just go all the way. So they started like 10 years old. You know, they started pretty probably 10 years old shooting this from all the way up. And they just worked their way back. And now it's like no problem. Dylan's and Ethan, they both break 70 all the time. They're not afraid of it. It's not about, it's, it's, it's about being not afraid of it. Like, look, teach them how to shoot a 65. You need to know what it feels like to shoot a 65. And I don't care what tee that's from. 65 is a 65. 65, 65, 100%, 100%. 100%. That's my, uh, impressive. My guy challenged me, go play on the, uh, Remy plays the women's tees, right? He's like, I bet you can't beat them if, if you play on the women's tees with them, but you have to hit driver every par four and five from the women's tee. He's like, go try to beat them. I mean, it's fucking hard right, to do. Right, right. That is hard to do, because yep, yep. it's like, you're, you, you basically can drive almost every par four, but you can also lose the ball. And you can also hit trouble. it over the green, or you know there's no landing room up there, but you have to hit drivers. So then it's also like trying to hit little like chippy, barely chippy drivers. It's like you got to have some you control of your body. You got to work that. it. Yeah. yeah, control it. Control the loft, spin, all that good stuff. What about you when you grew up? You How did you get into golf? What is like, Just everyone parents. knows the... 
the story of the champ of the people's champ yeah. and the hole in one and all this fucking people's champ legendary so relatable, shit. Man. People's yeah. champ, dog. It's you very know, few I mean, people. Forty-seven year old old dude just like comes out of nowhere and makes. But I mean, you know what? It's just all of a sudden I had four days in a row and it's like something. It's never gonna happen again. And for me, um, but I've just it was a very magical thing, right? And uh, and I don't know why. I don't know why it happened. I have no idea, but it happened, and I think I inspired a lot of people. I've got wives that had never watched golf before that watched golf and got into the sport, and I got guys who had quit golf that got back into the sport. And like we talked about, we're here for youth on course, and if I get some juniors playing, it's unbelievable. And if and I've got 75-year-old men playing golf again that weren't gonna ever play golf again, that makes me just as happy. It happened for a weird reason. I, ha I think it happened the golf gods said, you know what, we're gonna let you inspire these people that are uninspired right now. All these young people have been inspired through COVID and everything else because they couldn't play anything else. So they started playing, whatever. I'd inspire them. I inspired everyone my age frame, older and, and above, to get back into it or to play or whatever it might be. And I'm very lucky to be that that avenue. hundred percent. When I when I seen the story, it was just like I felt like it was literally me all over again. I'm like, bro, how do you're older than the typical guys coming out and, and going on tour and doing all of this shit. And it's just like, to see that as a, as a guy who's like literally, a, I, feel, I feel like I'm a, I'm a country club journeyman. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a member, I'm a member everywhere in America just because people love to see me, they love to hang with me. I'm a great hang partner, whatever, whatever. And it's like, to see you actually go out there and put the numbers with the personality, it was just like, this is like, the, this is the people's champ. I'm your buddy who you sit and you play 18 holes with and you hang and have a couple of beers and have lunch and smoke cigar with, that all of a sudden is playing against Roy McIlroy in the final round in the major championship. Yeah. I'm that guy, 100%. It happened and somehow then the ball goes directly in the hole in 15 and then I get up and down and it's really cool. I was with the people on 18. I was literally in with the people on 18, and I swear they made that ball go up in the air, land in the rough, trickle out, and I make that putt. It was like like somebody, I think Max Home actually said, he goes, not even Tin Cup did that. He goes, he goes, Tin Cup took seven shots to get in the hole. <laughs> I love Max, he's cool. But what's that, what's that like coming back, like coming home and like being, you leave your, the club pro. You come home, you're the club hero. Yeah. What is that like? That to me was um, really, really, I mean, insane, right? To go as just, you leave as, as I am, the head pro at a Rochebuco Golf Club, I'm still the head pro at a Rochebuco Golf Club. Nothing changed, right? And if you talk to anybody, they'll just tell you that I'm more tan than I was before because I've been playing more golf. <laughs> <laughs> That's the biggest change in me, you know? I hear that. Yeah. That's dope. <laughs> Hold on, so going back, so then golfing, your parents got into where? Where'd you grow up? Where'd St. Louis. Go? I'm from, uh, I grew up in Iowa and then St. Louis. And then uh, I met son and, and women in Southern California and I decided to never go back. I stayed out in uh, LA and Orange County, California, Palm Desert. Love being a golf pro out there. I love everything about it. I know a lot of people are like, oh, I hate California. I'm leaving and all this stuff. And I, I love California. Look it's at been, the weather back it's there. It's been very good to me. And for all of you that, don't want to be here, uh, thank you. <laughs> it's not the fact that I don't want to be here, it's just I hate the income tax, I hate it. I did, I, trust I, me, trust me. me. <laughs> trust me, this year, 
I might feel differently <laughs> in April of 2024, JR. I'm just letting you know, but I don't know. But just, I think I'm still going to stay, so. Yeah, yeah you I got some big bags this year. Hey, man, right. hey, rolling in. Let him keep rolling in. We asked we ask a lot of people this, and I, I tend to get the same answer from pros. I'm starting to feel like that's like a thing that you learn to say as you're getting older. What's your favorite club in the back? I love my little pooty cut driver, which is a little baby cut. That's my go-to. I don't go for distance, I go for accuracy on my driver. But then when it comes down to it, like what I sleep with at night, outside of my wife, is my putter. Mm. That putter's got me out of more trouble than anything in the world, right? Even more than my lawyer. And so, <laughs> <laughs> that putter, that putter is, is just, you know, it's godsend where it's like, you know what, I hit it in the crap and I get out, I chip out, I go to 12 feet. And I make that putt, and this other guy just hit driver down the middle, wedged to 10 feet, misses it, lifts it out, makes par, and I just made par too. And I just know for them that are going, they're like, not again. Bro. Bro, I can't I'm beat this so guy. much better than Blocky, and I'm like, <laughs> I, had, I had a four. Yeah. Four guy. <laughs> hey, what you have? Yeah. Did you have four too? Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> What's yeah, your lowest, lowest round? I got a 58 in my bag. Uh, yeah, I, I shot 1400 at Cota de Casa in uh, the Booth game, the Skins game out there, mm. from the blue tees, mm. from the blues. But it's still 58, and it was it badass. Is, it, it was badass. I made about a 25-foot on the last hole, and I was just trying to two-putt it. And just how it was going that day, the hole looked the size of this right here, right? You've had games, I've right? Had those days. You're shooting, the hole looks the size of this table, the, the, the hoop looks the size of this table, right? Yeah. Same exact thing. And that's what I felt like that day. But I did shoot a 59 at my home club, a Rochebrook Golf Club. I shot 1,300 with my two boys and one of my best friends on my birthday. Oh, wow. And now the craziest thing is about those two rounds, the 59 and the 58, is that I never hit a warm-up shot. I never chipped, putt, nothing. I went to the first tee, and that's it. And I've really kind of gotten to that gravitation of where I feel like when you go warm up, most of the time, you leave going, okay, I'm warmed up, but I've hit. I shanked two, I topped a couple, I chunked a couple, and you're almost losing positive thoughts and you're losing confidence and you go there. Because when you go to the putting green, Jim McLean told me way back in the day, go to the putting green and your first three putts, put them to a foot and bang them right in the back and feel it and feel it and listen to it, see it go in the hole. Don't go to 10 feet, downhill left to right, and immediately miss three and lose confidence. Yeah, right, right. You know, and that's what everyone does, right? What does everyone do at the putting green? They go out there because every putt, every green, every hole is about 30 feet apart. And they're hitting 30 footer to 30 footer to 30 footer to 30 footer. And they do 15 of those. They make none. And then they go to the first tee. So you just hit 15 putts, made no putts, and now you're going first tee. How is that good for your confidence? I'd rather have you not even go out there. Yeah. yeah. I'm giving you all my secrets. No, you know what? Honestly, it makes perfect sense because I played with, I played with Melo, I played with, Allen Iverson played with mm -hmm. a lot of guys, and they never warmed up. Like, you'll see them in a layup line, maybe, ah, <laughs> like, messing around, but yeah. most of them, they're sitting down, chilling. People don't realize, like, before the fans get there, we're there at least an hour and a half before the game. Right. I'm, in, I'm out there getting a full sweat. I put up 100 shots in, in my, 120 shots in my spots, and then I'll go out, you know, get back in, get ready for game, go over the plays or whatever, whatever. And But at the same time, if I wasn't shooting well in the practice round, it was just like, you're fucked. Yeah. One of those days. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Start questioning But yourself. those guys, they just, 
they know they're going to get 30 shots a game. Like, listen, just get it over here. Just give me the ball. Just give me the ball. Yeah. And yeah, that's where I really got to. Like, I watched Tracy McGrady give us 50 mm. my second no, year. Tracy. 50. And I didn't see him take a warm-up shot. He didn't do layup line. He didn't do anything. I talked to one of the guys who came out my same year. I was like, yeah, what was he doing for the game? He said, man, you know what he was doing? He was back there asleep. <laughs> I was like, what? He's, he's laying on the training table, yep. literally asleep. Yep. <laughs> Woke him up, like, yo, you ready? He, he got a stretch. The trainer stretched him. He came out and gave us 50. I'm like, yeah. that's the way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> he's not overthinking it. He's not worried. No. I heard that uh, Anthony Kim used to... Uh, AK. He, I heard AK would just go show up, barely slap, no warm-off, go right to the first tee and just shoot 67. Where no is AK? AK, where are you? We need AK. I want to go play with AK. I need AK. Hey, that's a. This is a group right here. The three of us and AK. And AK. Let's go. Calling you on right now, bro. We we need you. He's in Oklahoma somewhere. I know that. So. In Oklahoma. Yeah. I'm gonna call. I, call, I gotta. I just can't picture that. I gotta call Ben <laughs> Baylor. He he's good friends with him and let him know. All right. You know. All right. You heard it here. <laughs> well. Thank you all once again for the world famous podcast. It wouldn't be the same without you or Michael Block and J.R. Smith, Stephen Marvin here, and we will see you next time.